0: Welcome to Psychos and Sociopaths. Today we're going to talk about Eileen Wuornos.
1: Warnos. Wuornos. Wuornos. Warnos. yeah.
0: uh, There was a lot of depictions of movies. Uh, The main one that a lot of people uh, talk about is the movie Monster with Salise Theron because she... Went overweight, ugliered herself up so she can actually do the role because that chick went through a freaking ugly forest and slammed down to a uh, just a bonfire crap dumpster fire. <laughs> and her and her girlfriend and girlfriend that uh we'll, we'll get to the girlfriend, but she was ugly <laughs> But anyways.
1: Uh, And in in no way, shape, form, or fashion is he trying to marginalize the aesthetic qualities of the females in the world at all? No, because you're not that kind of a person. Fuck
0: yeah, I'm that kind of person.
1: Okay, see, I was trying to save you, you know, but whatever. There's
0: no saving me off of that one. I'll straight (laughs) up look at a person and go, hey, would you, uh, would you, you date me, right? No, no. I had to um, get off really off-topic on this one. This will
1: be the last episode we do, by the <laughs> way. The cancel culture will get a hold of us pro- we're pretty proper.
0: Oh, yeah, our par- we could do this stuff right now <laughs> because we're probably really solo. No, I had a, I, I literally had a chick one time. Uh, the internet like, is forever. I know, right? <laughs> I had a chick. She comes up to me. She's like, uh, I wouldn't date you because you're, I'm friends with your sister. <laughs> Thank God. I was, I was. I had this whole uh, speech set up together to where I did, I had to tell you I didn't find you attractive.
1: <laughs> mm. We
0: still hang out.
1: Oh, that's 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 the that's the positive takeaway.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Eileen was a uh, sex worker. Slash American serial killer. Even though through all the interviews that is done with Eileen, uh, verified that she was not a serial killer. She wasn't one of those people that uh, killed in a mass way and a uh, torture and sadistic way. Which, hands down, there are worse serial killers out there. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, com- see, I, I've. We've only touched the female serial killers a little bit, Not in a bad way. Just, you know, ver- verbally touched. You know what? We're just going to keep on continuing. Anyways. Uh,
1: <coughs> How about scratch the surface?
0: Scratch the surface. There, there we go. 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 Scratch the surface. I knew there was a terminology for that one. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways, uh, she did this in Florida between... 1989 and 1990 by shooting them point blank with a 22 uh she was sentenced to death and she had a lethal injection in october 9 2002 on 2003 the movie was actually released there's actually a uh i would call it a b-rated movie
1: yeah overkill
0: well t tv movie
1: yeah it was uh, that overkill yeah 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 um uh, and, okay, that and based on that, that 60 Minutes Australia video that you sent me um, about I, it, yeah. uh, the DA, he was not happy about it because uh, there was a lot of sheriff's deputies that were involved with, a lot of investigators that were involved with the case that were basically selling themselves and themselves out just to be a part of the movie. So they were trying to get rich quick, and he didn't really appreciate all that.
0: No one ever really appreciates that. Right. Right.
1: Um, you know, and, and the thing about her getting the lethal injection, I found kind of odd, and it was kind of almost like
0: wait, wait, the,
1: it was almost like Florida's last middle finger up, you know, in her face because she wanted the chair.
0: Yeah, that was that was a strange thing I found out. You know, reading the that was weird,
1: reading the uh, that would that was me, <laughs> reading the articles and
0: everything. I thought she got the electric chair. Then then. That was one thing about this whole uh, research on this one. And some of the stuff that we research on this... Uh, it goes from one uh, one source to another source... To where one source says one thing... And another source says totally different. Like, I didn't find out about the lethal injection... Until, like, you just told me. I thought she got the chair... Because the couple of the videos... Kept on showing, I was like, this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna electrify her. We're gonna, we're gonna just jar her up with electricity. (laughs) But
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and what the thing that I picked up on through all of her, the interviews that I saw was she was claiming self-defense the whole time. And and what I really found kind of, you know, the whole narcissistic thing about her was the fact that, I mean, it's almost like the things that she said on camera or on record were, hey, look at me, I did this, I did that. But the one thing that really stuck out to me about the 60-minute uh, interview was when she was talking about, she was like, well, there were several men in between all of those men. It's like you still shot seven guys yeah. at point blank range over the course of twelve months, but she was like, "Yeah, but there were so many other men that I didn't. I mean, they 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 they, they survived. It was just the jerks." And it was like she felt.
0: Well, there's a couple of the men that that she actually murky murked and that's a term I'm going to use nowadays. Murky
1: murk. Right. Okay.
0: Uh, but I mean, she, that, she he felt was, he was a piece of shit.
1: Well, I mean, all that aside. That oh, uh, that's the our, our prop for the book, but, uh, but, you know, with the, there's that phrase again, I'm really working on trying to not say, you know, um,
0: it's hard, it's hard once you find out you're doing something, it's hard to get over it,
1: but with the, um, you know, it's just the whole process that she used to feel justified in, you know, in, in her actions.
0: All right. Talking about justification, uh, we're going to go into her life right now. Uh, Eileen, her actual first name is Eileen Carl Pittman. Uh, she was born in Rochester, uh, Michigan on February 29th, 1956. Her mother, uh, Dana, uh, Warthros uh, was 14
1: Dana I, yeah I found it as Diane,
0: Diane was, yeah she was, she was 14, 14 when she
1: was married to Eileen's father 16 year old Leo Dale Pittman uh, let me see On here June, yeah. uh June 3rd
0: 1954 mm-hmm. uh, Eileen's older brother Keenan was born god they were kids when they were yeah
1: kids were having, having kids, kids yeah uh,
0: After this is two years of the marriage uh, and two months uh, before Eileen was born, David filed for divorce. Uh, <clears throat> he was actually incarcerated at the time of the birth and is diagnosed with schizophrenia and, uh, and later convicted of sex crimes against children. Uh, he committed suicide by hanging in prison in 1969. Uh, and in 1960, when the. See, it just jumps around.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so and what I found? Okay. So in '60, uh, Eileen was f- almost four years old. Uh, their mom up and left, and so uh, the grandparents, Lori and Britta Warnos, yeah. both are alcoholics, legally adopted Keith and Eileen on March 18th of 1960. And
0: here's another. And here's another case where the uh, the parental. Figure in the life, yeah. The parental figure was a piece of shit.
1: Yeah, because it shows by age eleven, Aline was turning. uh, Well, I was turning tricks because I
0: found I found thirteen to eleven, and the reason why she was turning tricks because the grandfather was raping her, and so also the uh, older brother.
1: Yeah. Okay, I see where that. Yeah. Okay. So. But I
0: got I got it from one article. It was thirteen. So I just say pre-teens. Yeah.
1: So most. yeah, from either from age eleven to, to, to thirteen, um, she would be beaten, and before beating her, he'd make her strip down. Um, at the age of fourteen, and and even that age is debatable. Uh, yeah, thought
0: pre teens yet again. Yeah,
1: she got she got pregnant after having uh, being. Raped either by her grandfather himself or by a friend of his, um, she gave birth to a boy at the home, or at a home for unwed mothers on March twenty third, and seventy one. Uh, she placed the uh, kid up for adoption. You almost kind of want to know where the you know where the son is. You know, just to kind of th- find anything. I, I, I didn't either. So and I think that that actually kind of in a way. I think it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's good to actually keep that out.
1: Yeah, because... It,
0: some, some, some things should never
1: be Yeah, it, you know, what is it? The son, you know, uh, is responsible for the sins of the father or something like that. Yeah. But um, let me see here. A few months after her son was born, she dropped out of school. Her grandmother died of liver failure and then she was kicked out of the house about the age of 15.
0: Then the grandfather died of suicide because of all this stuff that he probably ended up
1: doing. But uh, she she started working her way up and down the street, you know, up and down the highways of yeah, Florida Yeah, at first as it, was, prostitute. it was like
0: uh, cigarettes and alcohol and drugs mm-hmm. and food. Uh, and then... Well, actually her grandfather threw her out of the house by 15 and like I said, we really can. Yeah. verified and that's when she actually started uh, supporting herself as a sex worker and she wasn't like she even said in the interview it's like I wasn't a high uh, high price it was 40 to $100
1: yeah well and, and she she said in that interview on 60 Minutes Australia was uh, she kept her prices low because she wanted her customers happy <laughs> you know I'm sitting here so thinking that's... to myself Okay. Um, but she, she was just
0: fuck ugly, though.
1: Well, I think a lot of that is, but by, the byproduct of her drug abuse. No, have you seen
0: her teeth? I mean, it
1: looked like byproduct of her drug abuse. Okay. You know, and, and not to disparage against a particular sect of, of drug abusers, but you know, if you speak methican American, you're not going to have the best grill in the entire world. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I like that methican
0: American. <laughs> I literally
1: thought, it was like, are you you trying to say Mexican? No, I'm not.
0: No, no. no. Okay, that makes sense now.
1: So she met a 69-year-old yacht club president named Louis Fell. Uh, They got married in 76. Uh, They announced their nuptials uh, in the local papers, uh, society pages. So basically, this was her foray into gold digging, I guess. But uh, she would uh, continually get in, you know, confrontations at the local bar she went to jail for assault briefly. Uh, she also hit her husband with his own cane, leading him to gain a restraining order against her within weeks of the marriage. Uh, she returned to Michigan where in uh, July of 76 she was arrested in Antrim County and charged with assault, dist- or disturbing the peace for throwing a cue ball at the bartender's head. So you, you, could, you could argue that. I
0: don't think she was angry at all with her life.
1: Well, she had some issues with, I with, with temper. I don't, I don't
0: think.
1: But, uh, I, don't think. I mean, there were some other things that were going on in her life where, like, her brother Keith, uh, he died of uh, esophageal cancer. Mm. Uh, she received $10,000 from his life insurance, and her and uh, fell annulled their marriage on July 21st after nine weeks. She was given, let's see here, uh, in August of that same year, Hundred five dollar fine for drunk driving. She used the money inherited from her brother to pay the fine and spent the rest within two months buying luxuries, including a new car, which she wrecked shortly afterwards. So yeah, back in the day when ten thousand dollars could get you a, a pretty pretty good distance. But eighty um, anyway, one, she was arrested in Edgewater, Florida, for armed rob- or armed robbery of a convenience store. She stole thirty five dollars and two packs of cigarettes. <clears throat> Sentenced to prison in 82. She was released in in June of 83. May 1st of 84, she was arrested for attempting to pass forced checks at a bank in Key West. Uh, November 30th of 85, she was named as a suspect in the theft of a revolver and ammunition in Pasco County. So she she had, I mean, her life just from the get-go.
0: It was a shitstorm.
1: Yeah, it was a shit storm. So she, I, I don't want to say she didn't have much of a chance, but.
0: She didn't give herself a chance. Yeah,
1: she didn't give herself a chance because we, we all have that, that in, you know, that that, um, that fight or flight, you know, that, that, that gift of free will. You know, yeah. the one that God gives us that gift of free will. So. You know, to say that she could blame this on all of her upbringing and stuff, like, yeah, you can go get counseling for it, you can get therapy for it, and you can rise above it, you can remove yourself from those environments, and that's fine. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're all responsible for the decisions that we make, yeah. for the actions that we take, all of that. And do I think that environmental factors play played a part in it to a degree? But not enough to the point where you can say, you take your hat off and rest it on that and say, this is why I, I am the way that I am. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. Because with, I mean, especially with people with oh, PTSD, anger issues and things of that nature, I think the anger, as far as like PTSD is concerned, I think that it's a byproduct of the PTSD itself. And we need to make the conscious decision to own those demons. So she could have made that conscious decision to own the demons that were in her life. And once she declared herself an owner over those demons, she could have, you know, she could have made those choices to remove herself from those situations. And she she could have actually become a very productive member of society. But she chose to give in to those, those ghosts. She chose to give in to those demons. And the narcissism just played right into it. And... She really, I think...
0: I wonder if narcissism is a byproduct of all the stuff that you have to keep on telling yourself, like at that situation, at at that situation to where you have, it's basically your brain telling you, okay, this is wrong, but you can't, you you have to deal with this way instead of this way.
1: At a point, I think it does. And the reason why I say that is not, not to contradict myself from a few minutes ago, but... I think it does to a certain point because once you start telling yourself something so many, so many times, I mean, you begin to believe it. Yeah. Your brain starts to rewire itself. Um, and you'll see this a, a lot in the cases of like divorce where, whether it be the male or the female, it's not discriminate you know, discriminatory at all. But whether it be the man or the woman in the marriage, it is. When somebody feels like they've been slighted or they are constantly exposed to enabling behaviors. From the female or from the male. Right, whether it be through friends, whether it be through family, it's like, oh well, you're justified in doing this because of even if even if the accusation even even if even if what you're you know, you're going off of is unfounded, okay? Like say, the female were to come in and say, "Well, I'm going to cheat because I was told you cheated." Well, you know, how about you get your facts together before you go and throw your legs open? Exactly. And you know, I've never understood that. Right, and it's like two wrongs don't make a right. So you know, and and you know, and and if you you're in that in that situation, you you have to you almost have to owe it to yourself to. Well, there is no almost to it. You have to owe it to yourself to make sure that you're giving yourself the due diligence of making sure you've got your facts straight before you start taking these, you know, these decisions, because every, you know, eventually it'll lead into a very slippery slope, and then you'll just go down that rabbit hole, and you'll never come back. And you you see it a lot in you know throughout society, and especially with the way that social media has enabled these behaviors. You get these people that are just, you know, they've forgotten what it's like to get punched in the mouth. You know, not to advocate physical violence, but I'm just saying, like, back in the day, like, you and I, when, when we went to school, you know, people didn't bring guns to school. I mean, they did, but they stayed in the, sh- they stayed in the gun racks in the back of these rednecks trucks. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, and it was I... fine. But if we had a score to settle with somebody, you didn't go shooting the place up. No. You whooped their ass either after school or you did it in the bathroom between classes.
0: Well, I was like uh, talking about ownership on something like that. I remember one time, they had this stupid punching game. It, it, even thinking of it now, it was really ridiculous. It was just see how tough you are, basically. Anyways, I did it to one guy one time, and we constantly did it to each other. And then one day, he had uh, something wrong with his family or something like that, and I didn't know, and I did it. And square in the face. We went to principal office. Principal was like... I- Mr. Jickman, uh was it your fault or was it his fault? I was like, honestly, it was my fault. And and then I asked I asked him, I was like, hey, I don't, and this is at a young age, mm-hmm. which is really perplexing for me that I was actually this concerned about other people. Right. I was like, do you never hit me in the face like that? We've been doing this often. What happened? I was like, well, my mom got on to me about some stuff. So I was like, okay. I'm going to own this. Don't worry about it. It's all on me. Because it was my fault that initiated it. Yeah. I initiated it. So I'm going to go ahead and take ownership of it. And the principal was, well, the vice principal at the time. She had, She's like, you're taking ownership? I was like, well, I hit him. Yeah. Even though he was like, "What well, he shouldn't have wrecked like, like, like that. I probably did a good thing. That could have been something a lot worse. So I'll take the hit in the face. Yeah. And I don't bruise that well you know. At that time, so <laughs> I could take a hit, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I mean, but I, I...
0: but also go on the other note of uh, sorry if I'm interrupting no, you, no, no, you're good. But going on the other aspects of things that happened to me in my lifetime that really should have made me it going toe to toe with the uh, most of the stuff that's happened in my lifetime with the death of my mother, uh, committing suicide, uh. One of my exes taking my son, having a birth in her bathroom, and throw, th- throwing away the body. I mean, this is horrible stuff that has gone through my lifetime. And uh, also, uh, I was basically taking care of an 18-month-old uh, kid, and the kid had to go back to the mother. And I found out after the fact, after the murder, uh, because the boyfriend bashed the baby's head in, I mean, the baby had been uh, basically tortured, hair pulled. They found uh, blood stains on the scalp mm-hmm. where the hair was being pulled. A fractured arm that they never fixed, basically a broken arm. Uh, and that broke me. Yeah, I mean, it took me about two years to get my fucking head right. But I'm one of those types of people that, unless it's an A10, it's not going to kill me. I'm gonna. I'm going to go up a little bit better in my life. I mean, yeah. But there are people that are will, uh, that can and withstand that kind of punishment and everything and make it better. I mean, there's there, there's, there's a laundry list of people that actually have hor- more horrible stories than I do. Yeah. About, I mean, uh, I know a person that had the same M.O. She didn't turn into a killer. She actually became a really good prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And it's just the type of person,
1: really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's about our. I guess it's about the decision making processes that we're you know that that we're able to acquire. Now, whether that be through the way that your parents instructed you or what, I, you know, I I think that a lot of the society's problems boil down to parenting, and you know, the overall destruction of the family unit, mm-hmm. but. You know, every every you know you're you're always going to find a bad apple, and and then that's not giving them a free pass to say, oh well, you're just a bad apple. So yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying by a bad apple is that you're always going to have those shit bags out there that
0: like your Ted Bundy's, your well, (sighs) Richard Cunningham,
1: to a degree, yeah. But what I'm talking about is specifically as far as, like, parents. You know, you're going to find those oh, kids. You're going, to, you're going to find those people that are going to put
0: all their stuff on the parent's fault.
1: Well, no. I mean, they're, they're, you're going to have those parents that, that just, they have no business being a parent. Yeah. And it's going to be, because neglect of a child is going to affect that kid. Later on down the road, and it's going to make their life that much harder to bring back towards the, the, the straight and narrow, and and even straight and narrow. I mean, I mean the people who, who live that that preferred life, where you know you stay away from the crime, you stay away from the hatred, you stay away from the bigotry. I mean those. The, I mean a lot of times you'll find those people encounter the the, the largest obstacles.
0: heard the family when I was
1: running for the air conditioning, you know when I'm doing the film and everything. So. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh you know, getting back to Aline she felt she I mean she was just bitter. And she chose to live in that. And in in almost two hundred fence it's 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 easier to live bitter. Than it is to have that 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 degree of forgiveness that you need to move past things. So, I mean, it's like it's, it's she found that as a comfortable place for her, and over time, it just became uh, institutionalized into her head that you know th- this is the way that, the, that that I need to live, and any time a guy is a jerk to me, I'm well within my rights to put a bullet in his head. You know, and, and it was, it, it, it just, the longer that that behavior, the longer that that state of mind continued, it just compounded and it, it just built up layers to the point where
0: you become numb to the, yeah, you just become you numb
1: it. to it. And I mean, if you, if you go back and you look at her criminal history, I mean, armed robbery, uh, check forgery, suspected theft of a revolver, um, car theft, resisting arrest, obstruction of justice. Uh, See, she was uh, January 4th of 86 in Miami, obstruction of justice for providing identification bearing her aunt's name. So, you know, she was pulled over or she was questioned, you know, asked for identification. She gave her aunt's ID, you know. So that's obstruction of justice and that's, that's false identification, which... I don't know if Florida's laws, but I don't know if that that, that would be a law that they'd nail her on. But,
0: well, yeah, you could.
1: You know, that they found a, a thirty eight revolver and a box of ammunition in the stolen car. Um, let me see here. On June 2nd of 86, Velosa County deputy sheriffs detained her for, uh, for questioning after a male companion accused her of pulling a gun in his car and demanding $200. So she's out there turning a trick, and then she's like, eh, no. You're gonna give me more money, kind of a thing, and he held her up at she held him up at gunpoint. Um, Well, from what I uh, looked at with
0: the uh, on her interviews and everything, uh once she turned forty, I guess she felt less attractive and everything, and she felt that she needed to do it this way instead of just you know offering sex and everything.
1: Yeah, you know, and and not to. Because now we have to be sensitive to the needs of the sex workers in the world. But, I mean, when you go looking for a prostitute, I mean, really, if you're paying for it, you're you're not going to be expecting a whole lot to begin with. And you know that these people whether they be men or women. They've, they've got issues. You know, they've got dependency issues a lot of times. and
0: well, That's why I only date women that uh, have daddy issues and the job revolves around a pole.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> well, I date fire women.
1: <laughs> I hate you sometimes. Um, <laughs> so she met... Eventually, who became her gay lover, Gay lover, uh, Tyra Moore. And let me see here, at a lesbian uh, lesbian bar Daytona in Daytona Bit. Beach, yeah. she was a hotel maid. They moved in together, and Warnes supported both of them with her earnings as a sex worker. And on July fourth of eighty seven, Daytona police or Beach police detained them both at a bar for questioning regarding an incident in which they were accused of assault and battery with a beer bottle. Um, let me see here, there was uh, she was accused of, uh, she accused a Daytona Beach dr- bus driver of assault. She claimed that he pushed her off the bus following a confrontation. Uh, Moore was listed as a witness to the incident up, into, uh, up until her execution. Warnes still claimed that she was in love with Tyra Moore. Which is
0: really funny about that whole thing. Yeah, considering that
1: Tyra Moore became the star witness in the state's case against her.
0: Yeah, she just flat out just went up to uh, the courts and was like, yeah, she told me she just killed a guy, and she was just totally all right with it. And then I just went, well?
1: Yeah, she looked at that as her golden ticket to get out of everything. So she was like, in exchange for my information, I want immunity, which I think that the prosecution gave her. Yeah. But... I mean, there's a list of, of Aline's uh, victims. There's a Richard Charles Mallory, uh, age 51. He was killed on November 30th of 89. He was a, an electronic store, on, uh, electronic store owner in Clearwater. Um, he was a convicted rapist whom she claimed to have killed in self-defense. Uh, she said she was sodomized, brutally beaten after being beaten to, or driven to an abandoned area for sexual favors. Um, two days later, they, the, the sheriff's in that county found his body, or found his abandoned vehicle, rather, and his body was found several miles away in a wooded area. Been shot several times. Two bullets to the left lung were found to have been the cause of death. Um, David Andrew Spears, age 47, he was a construction worker in Winter Garden. He was declared missing on May 19th of 90, and on June 1st of that same year, they found his naked body along the Route Route 19 in Florida in Citrus County. Been shot six times. So she did, just didn't, like, one shot, one kill these guys. I mean, it was... It
0: I was mean, a rage kill.
1: It, it was, well, it was rage. And I think to a certain point, it was done out of perverse pleasure because even with the 22, you you get these Bush people up in uh, Alaska, they can drop a moose with a twenty-two. Yeah. You know, so it just takes one shot to the head. But no, no, I mean, she shot them multiple times, so that's why I don't buy the self-defense argument. Because if you're shooting somebody in self-defense, the, the, the usual the usual response for a person in self-defense, they'll get off a shot, maybe two, and then they're going to flee the area. Now she stuck around and put six bullets in this guy.
0: Well, you also got to look at the uh, factor of um, adrenaline at the moment and her damaged psyche at that point could have been the fact of, hey, it, it was it was basically okay. This person's beating on me. I'm going to have to rage kill this guy, and she just kept on unloading. There. On something like that, depending on the person, I mean, you,
1: you see those, you see those situations in like the movies, and then you know, like, oh, she gets, she got off because of temporary insanity or whatever. It, you're even, even then, you're going to get one or two shots, maybe three at the most, as it relates to self-defense. So the whole, you know, the whole, hey, you know, I put six bullets in them, but it was still self-defense. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. It's, it's not something that, that I'm willing to accept. And obviously the, the prosecution in Florida, they didn't buy it either because, I mean, they're looking at it as, this is excessive. That's excessive force. Um, Charles uh, Clarkston. Uh, he was 40 years old, part-time rodeo worker. They found his body on June 6th of 1990 in Pescadero County. Uh, he'd been shot nine times with a 20-caliber weapon. Uh, body I had been wrapped. I think 22.
0: Uh, it might have just been a mess up on
1: theirs. So. It may be. Uh, the body had been wrapped in an electric blanket, and it was badly decomposing when he was found. Um, she was seen with his car. And it also pawned a gun identified as belonging to him. Um, so let's just say, oh, self-defense. Again, fight or flight's going to kick in, and then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be out there. With, I mean, you're you're going to you're going to you're going to pop smoke. You're, I mean, you're going to you're going to flee the area. She took the time to put nine holes in him and then wrap him up in a blanket. And then she's going to take his crap and she's going to pawn it. So yeah, not buying that. Um, I had to the lines. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, Peter Abrams Seaman or Simons or Seams, uh, sixty-five retired merchant seaman, uh, 1990 June of nineteen ninety. Uh, he left Jupiter, Florida, for Arkansas, and on July. 4th, Fourth, his car was found in Orange Springs, Florida. Uh, both Moore and Warnos were seen leaving or abandoning his car, and Warnos's palm print was found on the interior door handle. His body was never found. Um, Troy Burris, age 50, sausage salesman from Ocala, uh, July 31st and 90, he was reported missing. They found his body on August 4th in a wooded area along State Route, uh, State Road 19 in Marion County. He'd been shot twice. Uh, Charles Richard Humphreys. He was 56, found him on September 11th of 1990. He retired Air Force, ma- uh, uh, Air Force major and former state child abuse investigator and former chief of police. Um, September 12th of 90, they found his body in Marion County. He was fully clothed and had been shot six times in the head and torso. He was found in Shawnee County. So, again, she goes – I mean, the whole self-defense, I mean, to her credit, between Burris and Humphreys, yeah, so the M.O. changed a little bit. She only shot him twice versus this Humphreys guy. She shot him six times.
0: Yeah, that was one thing that just really messed uh, everything up for me because of the basic fact of uh, you have – a couple of them that looked like they were going to be dirt, but this is just me observing what I am reading. Right, and when you get down to the last ones, it just seems like these people, their M.O. of uh, of what they are, could be totally different. Of course, this is right. a different time frame too. Uh, and then there is
1: Walter Antonio, age sixty two, uh, trucker, security guard, and police reservist. On November nineteenth of ninety, uh, his nearly naked body was found near a remote logging road in Dixie County. He'd been shot four times. Five days later, his car was found in Bre- uh, uh, Brevard County. So I mean, it, there's there's a lot of you know, it, it just with those seven guys. Yeah. I, I, I again, I just I don't buy the whole self defense argument. And, and, and if you watch enough interviews of her, her story kept evolving. It kept changing. She would change the little details here and there. And you could almost, some, some people could chalk that up. So, well, you know, you, recollection is different at different points. Some things may spark a memory here, may spark a memory there.
0: No, she was a avid liar to, where, to the point where all of her stuff was uh, changing really fluidly. Yeah. So all the stuff you really couldn't... And even when you look at the court case uh, at the end of the court trial, uh, (laughs) what she was doing, it was hilarious. In in my opinion, it was hilarious only because by the time that uh, everything was going through the... Judge was making his statement, and the jury was making their statement. And she
1: kept like, I mean, she would look at the jurors, and uh, Y'all's like, a at one point, "This
0: is shit. Y'all. I'm going to heaven. Y'all going to hell."
1: Yeah, you know, she's like, "I'm going to be up in heaven. Y'all going to go to hell." And she was sitting at one point told one of the jurors that she hopes that her his his wife and daughters are being raped right then.
0: Yeah, it was. She. She was not sane at all. she I was mean, high shy of and what's really sad is is throughout this whole thing uh, a person i got it right here uh uh eileen uh polar uh she's a a Christian advocate that ended up adopting her,
1: yeah. <laughs> thinking,
0: <laughs> thinking that that she's going to have a life sentence, they're going to take a vacation down the road. mean, yeah. she she was very hopeful. She was very hopeful, but what ended up happening is she, she ended up getting the chair. Well, the injection chair, not the electric chair. Even though most of the interviews and every uh, this whole thing uh, researching is very hard because you can even even from the actual reporters you're getting one words on one uh, one variation on one side and a totally different variation on the other yeah uh but it it was
1: uh, I had mentioned to you on the way over here yeah. you know when I saw that interview uh, with the adopted mom the shirt she was wearing I initially thought, thought she was another inmate yeah <laughs> you know and I was like <laughs> Yeah, taking going. care of the horses. Yeah, at the, at I'm like, farm. what kind of Florida shit is this? <laughs> I'm like
0: oh my God. Well, you actually be surprised. You know what? I wonder if she was. I didn't find it. I, I don't I, think so because the, makes... the,
1: the, more footage from that uh, that later on in the interview. I mean, she had the the dangly earrings and I think it was just a, a striped top that she was wearing. it Was almost like a scrub top because she had jean shorts on with sandals um i mean i know i know florida operates on a different wavelength than everybody else but i don't think that they were going to be like that laxed because you know those earrings could technically be used to be you know fashioned into weapons that kind of thing but
0: no they actually you'd be surprised what they're allowed to have uh makeup and everything like that they're allowed to have earrings as long as it's not like even even the guys are allowed to have earrings it, it. some of the stuff is very weird I'm just I'm just curious about this whole thing because I want to take a better look at it about that um scene I, the other thing that I like about the whole uh, um The prosecutor
1: mm-hmm.
0: is uh, – no, that's not that, – that's an actual – that's not an inmate. I, I can tell right now just because the uh, camera angle and everything like that, they actually keep the horses
1: you, – You know what I found funny? <laughs> um, I found funny like when they interviewed her public defender. I'm like – I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is about a Grizzly Adams reject looking dude. Who wants to be a folk singer?
0: Yeah. He was was singing
1: in the car about plea deals. And I'm like, what is this guy's deal? Yeah, no. And and I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, because the interviewer looked at him and goes, did it ruin your career? He was like, Oh yeah, I didn't do me any favors. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm just thinking to myself, dude, you're not doing yourself any favors either. Well, this is this <laughs> it, it could have been it
0: could have changed up because this is done in like the '90s, and it, it took about uh, ten years or so to actually uh, murky Mercury her and the uh, electric chair, but it I, I still like how she was actually caught. It was. Uh, uh, I guess it was a sting operation. They actually found out where she was and everything. And it was a sting operation to the point where a uh, cop came in, got her to uh, come out, and there were six other cops, and they arrested her there. She, and even, even then, it was like, I was playing my favorite song, and I kind of got upset about that, and I got arrested. I'm like, oh, my God, some people just have this uh, euphoria of how things are supposed to go down.
1: You know what i what I found funny too. when You talking about her favorite song? It was the uh, the Randy Travis "I'm Digging Up Bones." Oh yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, huh, okay. You know, you almost have to like, okay. So with the uh, the you,
0: you're basically going, huh? You the, went with that.
1: Yeah, the sixty minutes uh, Australia interview that 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 she gave, like that whole piece that they put together. You know. You almost have to get well, you really do you have to give the Australians a lot of credit there because they're they're looking at this at this whole story and and for the interviewer for the journalist that did it I, I can't remember her name right now, she held a straight face the entire time I don't think the entire
0: time mm-hmm. well, it, I, I, okay. I saw I saw a little glint she. If you if you look at the interview, it is so freaking hilarious. Only because at, at one point in time she's like, "Nah, nah. You, re, really? We you going? Okay."
1: Uh, yeah, that's what you're going with. Okay, sure. All right, yeah. Yeah. All right let's go with that. You know, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: this, this one was really because you get. I love how you had so much footage on it, and it's so comical. It is. It is. It was a so dark comedy. And yes, I have a really dark sense of humor to where I find it funny. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's horrible that these people die, but the way she acted was just, I mean.
1: It was almost like she was. If you're
0: having a bad day, you can watch this and just feel better about
1: yourself. She was creating the mold for Florida guy, you know, for Florida man. You know, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, if there's one thing that Florida could put on their billboard and say, please don't be like, it's going to be these, you know, that the, her. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was a special kind of, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm saying this as, as a Caucasian male, that's a special kind of white trash right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the, there, I said it again, with the, with, with the, the drug problem, the incest, the <laughs> The, don't forget that the incest. Well, see, I don't think incest is so much. I don't. I don't think that that's limited to white people. Anyways, we're not going to go there. They have entire websites devoted to that. Anyway, um,
0: but if you're if you're checking off stuff,
1: yeah, if you're checking off things, I mean, you're, you're talking if you're playing, about if you're playing if white you're trash talking about, bingo, if you're playing playing white trash back swamp bingo, yeah, that's 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 the free box right in the middle. Okay? Yeah, so. You're gonna have the incest. You're gonna have the criminal history. You're gonna have.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say it. I the
1: four The foray into homosexuality. Yeah. And and again, we're not. And it, it sucks that we have to put the just. The, I have to. <laughs> the disclaimer. I have the well, we've
0: always had a disclaimer. It's not. It's not the euphoria of.
1: We're okay, not saying not that homosexuality either. or incest or leads is to bad. serial murderers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on, people. I mean,
0: I've, I've, I've hung out with lots of homosexuals. So let's take our feelings off yeah. of our
1: sleeves and put them back in our back pockets but, and just leave them there.
0: But it was, honestly, in a situation like that, I think it was homosexuality because she was lonely.
1: It, uh, yeah, um, and, and there are certain things, uh, you can almost argue that, both sides do that because of loneliness, it, it, but that being aside, um, it's it's one of the biggest, it's one of the bigger reasons that you see out there. Let's just, let's I mean, just her, leave it at that.
0: her actual lover yeah. knew a, about the prostitution. Yeah. So she was like, oh, she's still with me and she still loves me. Ah, I've been in that situation. not good she's gonna she's gonna actually murky murky you you might want to distant yourself a little bit
1: you almost kind of have to wonder what was going on behind the scenes where where, you know at at, at home kind of a thing well they're both
0: fat and ugly so it was a lot of I wouldn't even say like uh good scissoring it was more or less like parts of the fat flap just hits the I mean I can go into full detail on this one (sighs) I mean, I accidentally clicked on a situation like this, and it was very... It was like a train wreck.
1: So you're saying that we shouldn't run with scissors and lesbians shouldn't scissor with the runs? Is that what you're trying to say?
0: No, fat, fat lesbians shouldn't scissor. It is not attractive.
1: At him, people. Don't at me. Don't
0: <laughs> but... No, uh, that was another thing, is uh, on her her last meal, she, uh, apparently, this is reading off of some of the stuff that I was looking at, they got like a $20 limit on their mi- last meal, uh, the only thing she asked for was a cup of coffee, she was totally alright, she was literally wanting death.
1: Yeah, She's just, she said she was tired of the, of the, the press, she was tired of the, the pictures, the interviews, she was tired of people talking about her. And, you know, I mean, you, you you knew that she had to understand that they were going to continue to talk about her after she was gone. I think it was the fact that she just didn't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Um, she was tired of the, the the prison officials coming to her saying, well, okay, you got another interview request. And she was tired of it. So to uh, to that well here's the thing yeah. on
0: that though is if she had an interview request, I mean she, you have we have amples of uh, interviews mm-hmm. of her uh, going down the line, and she always did the interviews if she if she s- felt so compelled to where she was being uh, oppressed on, by the press because she even hated the fact that she was called a serial killer, which she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she even said, hey, I'm not a serial killer because most serial killers that I know of are, they torture their victims and everything. I'm not, I don't, tor- I didn't torture them. I just shot them and killed their money. Yes, it was wrong, but...
1: Yeah, and, def- and all of her murders aside, she had a, a really huge effect on pop culture, Going forward, after she was executed, how oh, so? There we uh, well, okay. So in 03 the movie Monster was yeah. Charlize Theron. Um, back on the 16th of this month, actually, it was announced that Voltage Pictures acquired the worldwide rights. Worldwide rights. Thank you. I can speak English. Uh, for a, uh, a production called American Boogie Woman, which is a prequel to Monster. Um, let's see, there was the television movie Overkill that we had talked about earlier. That was released in 92 that starred Gene Smart as Eileen. There was an antagonist in 02 for an episode of Law & Order SVU, uh, an episode called Chameleon. Maggie Patterson, which was the uh, protagonist's name, uh, was a prostitute who murders her customers based on Warnos. She'd been mentioned on crime television series' as uh, Criminal Minds, And there's a criminal mind's novel, Killer Profile. She's one of the serial killers who was copied by the novel's main antagonist in that book. And then 2014, Saturday Night Live, Shirley Theron made a self-reference to her role as Arlene Warnos in the movie uh, Monster in a uh, sketch called Pet Rescue Commercial. Kate McKinnon asked her to play a cat lady in the style of Arlene Um, 2015, Lily Rabb portrayed a fictionalized version of Warnos as a part of a Halloween storyline in American Horror Story Hotel in the fourth episode of the show's fifth season, and then later in the season finale. Um, And then uh, music, Uh, there was uh, a lot of things, uh, like there was a song by a group called Dolly's Circus named Eileen's Song, it was written and published in 2012. There was an, uh, an operatic adaptation of Wuornos' life premiered at the San Francisco uh, Yerba Buna Center for the Arts on June 22nd of 2001, entitled Warnos. Uh, the opera was written by Carla Lucero, conducted by Mary Chun, and produced by John Sims, Center for the Performing Arts. Um, let me see here. Jewel wrote a song about her called nicotine love the new york uh metalcore band it dies today the 6th of june is the name of their song and then pablo Hassel. do not get me to try to mispronounce or butcher that spanish right there but I, I know just enough spanish to get myself in trouble at the taco casa drive-thru that's about it um let me see here
0: i want to ah, man i wish we could play this on uh there was a parody version of Dolly Parton's Jolene called yeah. uh, by, uh inspired by Warthrose.
1: William uh, Belli's third solo album, yeah.
0: Yeah. I really want to listen to that now. Gigi <laughs> We're listening to that after the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, the 2019 Cardi B re- recreated Warnos's famous mugshot for her single, Press. Um,
0: don't get me started on her. She's almost as bad as this one chick, other than
1: Cardi B makes music for for women who like to.
0: They're household hookers.
1: You almost can't even make fun of white claw people anymore, but because it becomes so mainstream. But, I it, it. Yeah, no, just. I don't have a. I don't have a favorable. I do. I don't care for Cardi B. I don't care for her music. I don't even think that she's all that attractive.
0: I'm surprised she's still not arrested after she. Uh, well, it's uh, the statute of limitation on what she did. Oh yes, yeah. Because that, oh, I'm, it's one of those things. It's like Cardi B's this, this, this. <clears throat> she changed so much when she became a rapper. I'm like, no, she no, did she this didn't. while she was trying to be a rapper.
1: Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, 2020, a rapper named Sadistic released Aline Warnos, a song dedicated to her on his Delirium EP. So, I mean, she's constantly coming up in pop culture.
0: Well, uh, all the serial killers, really. Well, and yeah, one form yeah, of fashion.
1: Um, yeah. But but um, much of her, her childhood sexual abuse and career in prostitution... Um, yeah, I mean that you can credit that as being the reason for a lot of her damage, but again, I think a lot of it does go back to her childhood, but we still have the ability, we still have the resources available to rise above those situations. She just chose to be bitter and she got comfortable in that place.
0: Yeah, at the at the end of it, cause she didn't actually start doing that until she turned 40. Yeah. Of course, of course uh Vicky Jet Jackson did the same thing. It wasn't until her later years, I guess, and I hate to say it, women's biology, when it comes to uh, reaching like 40 and everything with menopause and everything, mm-hmm. uh, they have different factors working against them to go crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, they said that her traumatic upbringing, including her physical and sexual abuse, had been partially linked to the development of her borderline personality disorder.
0: And it's not us being, like, feminist or any mm, like, No, it's or, just... or misogynistic, yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: But um, they're saying that such severe trauma can also interrupt the development of the, demine- of, of the mind and result in primitive, dissociative, and splitting defenses to ward off the intensity of emotional and sexual stimulation that cannot be um, integrated as a child. So, yes, while you are getting those abuses and they're, they're kind of being ingrained into your psyche. Those are going to be scars that are going to be with you forever. I mean, that's just, there's no way around that.
0: Yeah. If you really want to scar somebody up, you do it psychologically, not physically.
1: Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it just, it's the, 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 the hardest scars to heal are the ones that you can't see. I mean, it sounds cliche. It sounds, um, uh, bumper sticker or platitude you know, but it, at the end of the day, yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you really want to get, you'll have a lasting effect on somebody. Don't mess with their physicality. I mean, you go after their mental state. And that is, that a lot of that is the MO of a narcissist. So a narcissist, as we've discussed in previous episodes, they'll use somebody up that they see as a challenge, and then they'll discard them and make them the, 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 the aggressor, and then they, they, they assume the role of the victim.
0: Well, that's actually a lot of yeah, they do. Because uh, talking to a lot of drug dealers when I was actually in corrections, uh, they always go up. Their first thing is like, you know how much I made when I was outside. It was a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm like, but you're not making that now. But you gotta l- look at the past and see how much I was worth back then. I was like, you're about worth about a two pack, huh? Two cigarettes right now, from what yeah, I was it's told.
1: Kind of like Yankees That's- fans. You know, yeah, and, you know, like and we and can, can go back re-edited. and talk about it after and she was, do, she, she was executed, it. she was cremated and her ashes were spread under a in tree, but you know, and the song, yeah. Uh, N- uh, Natalie Merchant's song Carnival was played at her funeral. Yeah, um, well, I
0: can edit edit yeah. that if I wanted to, but yeah, we have the point? so many lo- lo- low on views and everything.
1: People will be like, well, this is kind of quirky, yeah. yeah, okay, but uh, one day we'll we'll actually grow up and be like an actual honest to God podcast with you know structure and substance to it, you know it'd be nice.
0: Those aren't fun. <laughs> I've watched those and those aren't fun.
1: Well, like okay, so like Mike Rose, the way I heard it, I love that podcast. Yeah, and he
0: gets straightforward and everything. But uh look at Time Suck. He does the same thing that we're doing. Yeah. But he does a lot of comedy in between and half the time I'm like listen to it. And it's like is that real? So you're and, saying yeah, I should start
1: bringing Nerf guns to the to, to the studio.
0: That note uh I think I was going for the next episode uh, right next to her in this book that I wanted to go in. It was this case in Britain about two kids that ended up uh, killing and torturing uh, like an 11- or Uh 10-year-old. And I want to go over the kids that kill type dome.
1: Yeah, there was another thing, too, I picked up on. It was... um... An Australian serial murderer. can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, I saw uh, a, a, a piece about it, uh, about two girls that escaped. Uh, they were hitchhikers in uh, Australia. They were tourists, basically. And he picked them up and took them to a place called Salt Creek uh-huh. and tried to bash them with a hammer, tried to rape one of them, and they both escaped. So, I, you know, I was like, hey, what well, kind of intrigued me a little bit because you know this guy he was just like mr. Jekyll and dr you know dr. Jekyll and mr. Hyde
0: here we go uh, Robert Thompson and John venables I don't know if I'm getting that right uh, we'll go over that next week it happened in 1993 but uh yeah check us out on Facebook comment if you want uh, mm-hmm